Have you ever needed to make a decision about something, but you felt stuck and you were just kind of on the fence, not really sure what to do? Today, we're going to talk about five decision-making mistakes that keep you stuck and what to do about them. Let's do this. Welcome to Fruition Mindset, where it's all about mindset coaching for Christian entrepreneurs. Hey, I see you trying to get this thing to work for you, but feeling like you're struggling with decisions and stuck in doubt. You're afraid to commit, you feel like you have one foot in and one foot out, and you keep second guessing your every move. When I wanted to start my first business over 10 years ago, I was the same way. It didn't matter how many letters I had behind my name or what my credentials were, I never felt qualified. I'm Kayla Eggenberger, wife, mom, and daughter of the King, and I'm here to tell you that you can transform your mindset, ditch doubt, and take confident action in your business. Your breakthrough is on the other side of letting go of all these fears you have around your business, finally saying yes and stepping into who God has created you to be and where he's calling you to go. If you're ready to develop the mindset you need to take the dreams and goals God has laid on your heart and bring them into fruition, you are in the right place. So fill up your favorite mug, grab your journal, and get ready to take some thoughts captive. Well, hey there, friend. I hope you are having an amazing day. Earlier when we were homeschooling at the kitchen table, just sitting there doing the work, um, we had some excitement. My little Boston Terrier, Rosie, um, started barking, which she rarely does, and she was all excited. Like, even the fur on her back was standing up and trying to figure out what was going on. And sure enough, at our back door, the neighbor's cat <laughs> had uh, had come for a visit, um, and she has never done that before. But she was like right at the back door, kind of wanting in. Like, I'm pretty sure if I had opened the door, she would have just come on in. But Rosie was very excited by this, and everybody in the house was very excited about it. And we've never seen them interact before, so I didn't let Rosie out, which she obviously wanted out, but even though she has just the sweetest disposition, and I can't imagine her doing any harm to anybody or any animal, um, at the same time, I didn't want to risk it. But we were all just very excited about the cat. My husband actually uh, messaged the neighbor just to make sure it was theirs, and then he uh, put the cat in their yard just over the fence. Just a few minutes later, the cat was back. So apparently she likes hanging out with us. So that was our excitement for the morning was um, our little our little black cat visitor. But on to today's topic. So today we are talking about the five decision-making mistakes keeping you stuck. So we aren't taught a lot about how to make decisions. I talked about that a lot in my last episode, which I encourage you to check out if you haven't listened to that already. It's kind of a good precursor to this episode. And not only are we not taught really how to make powerful decisions, but we are also given a lot of other advice that leads to decision-making mistakes. And I was kind of trying to think back to when my first kind of adult, you know, decision was. And as I was thinking, I think it was probably whenever I decided what college to go to. Um, I feel like that was kind of my first, you know, big, impactful, long-term life decision. And not only what college to go to, but I guess to go to college in general. Um, back then, it was kind of just uh, assumed that that was your next step after high school. Things are kind of changing now. And as I look back at it, I think about how that is such a huge decision for somebody that my, I was 17, so I was 17 whenever I graduated from high school. 
17 years old, making this big life decision. And not only am I having to make a big life decision, but I don't have any real decision making skills. <laughs> I haven't been taught how to make powerful decisions. And so I remember I was sitting at my mom's kitchen table. I had been putting this decision off. In my young adulthood, I was typically like a like an analysis paralysis type person. But at this time in my life, I was definitely an avoider. And actually, I get into all of these decision-making types. I will do a whole podcast on um, the, the decision-making types, but I have embodied all of them, I feel like, at some point in my life. And at this point, I was the avoider. I knew I should probably spend some time looking into these different um, colleges. I had applied to several. Um, I did pretty well in high school, so I had a lot of options available to me. Went ahead and applied to a lot based on mostly geographical location. I didn't want to leave Texas, and we have a lot of schools here. I did not put a lot of effort into analyzing that decision, thinking about that decision a lot, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And so I just remember that I was just avoiding the decision altogether. So I'm sitting there at my mom's kitchen table, and she gives me this letter from Texas A&M University. And it essentially says, if you don't accept your acceptance within this time frame, and it was really, I think it was like a week away. If you don't accept your acceptance in this time frame, then your acceptance is essentially null and void. <laughs> so um, like, we're moving on without you. Um, so anyway, I remember I just sat there for a second. And then on impulse, I just checked the box, yes, and sent it back. And that was how I decided where to go to school. It was kind of a just an impulsive thing. Um, I had at least visited the campus with uh, with a friend, and I went only because she invited me and she was going to seriously check it out. And I remember that I didn't even particularly like it, which is kind of funny. Now that decision ended up working out fine. I I love being an Aggie. I love my experience at Texas A and M. It's amazing. Um, it was wonderful. It was not a bad decision at all, but. I can look back and think about how laughable it was that that is how I made such a big decision, just basically avoiding it altogether and then on a whim, <laughs> just checking that box whenever I had the pressure of an ultimatum, right? That external pressure creating a little bit of FOMO, um, then I was finally compelled to act. Okay, so all that to say that as we go through these five decision-making mistakes, I want you to know that I've made every one. <laughs> I've made all of them. Um, so if you recognize yourself in any of these, there's no condemnation here. Um, we're all just learning. These are some things that I've recognized over the years that I just want to share with you. Okay, so let's get to mistake number one. Mistake number one is thinking that more time equals better decisions. So I don't know about you, but I've always heard that we need to sleep on it. If you're making a decision, you got to sleep on it. That's kind of like the the go-to advice that we hear. And there's this thought that, okay, if you sleep on it, if you take more time, then you are going to make a better decision. And while I agree that it's not good to make knee-jerk reactions or make really impulsive decisions, um, given my story that I just told you before, that's not really how we want to do it either. There's this notion that like something miraculous is going to happen while you're dreaming, <laughs> while you're asleep, and that you are going to make a better decision. And I don't think it's the time or the sleeping that creates a better decision. 
it's really better thinking. And so whenever we say we're going to sleep on it, or we're going to take some time to think about it, what we're really hoping is that one, we're going to be able to really think through the, through the consequences of that decision, but also that we're going to get some better thinking. Maybe somebody's going to tell us something. We're going to get some new information. There's going to be something more or better introduced into, um, into the situation that can help us think better and therefore make a better decision. I also want to offer that whenever you know how to make powerful decisions and you have a clear framework, a clear process that you use, you can make decisions very, very quickly and very, very easily. You don't need to sleep on it because you already have a way to evaluate that decision and evaluate those reasons. I think that we say that you need to sleep on it or take some time because we don't want those impulsive reactionary type decisions. But when you have a framework that you can rely on and you can go to that will help you make decisions that take into consideration who you are becoming, what your values are, um, that are in alignment with your faith, your overarching beliefs, and who you are called to be and where you are called to go, then you don't necessarily need to sleep on it, right? Because you can sleep on it and sleep on it and sleep on it and sleep on it. (laughs) And if there's no better thinking, then really it's just a form of procrastination, right? Just putting off the decision. So whenever you are going to sleep on it or you're going to take some time, you want to make sure that you are getting that better thinking. One of the ways you can do this is by seeking wise counsel. And another way to do it is um, by coaching. Um, Whenever you ask yourself better questions, so whether it's self-coaching where you're asking yourself better questions, then you get better answers. Or if you're actually working with a coach, a lot of times they can help you see things in in light of the big picture. Okay, so decision-making mistake number two. This is one that used to trip me up so much, you guys. It's thinking you need more information. So I used to get stuck on this so much. There's even a word for it. You'll hear me say it probably a million times because it's a problem that a lot of us deal with and it's analysis paralysis, right? So those of us that like information and we think that we always need to know more. So if we're struggling to know something or if we're struggling to make a decision, it's probably because we need to know something more. We need to ask more people's opinions. We need to go do more research. We feel like we just had one more piece of information or a hundred more pieces of information that we would be able to make a decision super easy. But here's the thing. A lot of times we don't need more information. A lot of times we use this as a way to just procrastinate. And so unless there is a specific piece of information that you can get that you need to make the decision, because that does happen sometimes. But if there's not a specific piece of information that you can get, you are likely just indulging in confusion and procrastination. So I say that you can get because I feel like a lot of times, whenever we think we need more information, what we really want is to know the future, right? We feel like we need a crystal ball. So we want to know, you know, is this going to work out perfectly? Is this going to work out the way I think it will or the way I want it to? And in most situations, um, we don't know that. We can't know how everything is going to work out. We have to make the best, deci- the best decision that we can at the time with the information that we have in the circumstances that we have. So you need to ask yourself, what specifically do I need to know to make this decision? 
and then go get that information. This is how you get unstuck whenever you feel analysis paralysis happening or you feel that need for more information, you need to ask yourself that question so that you can get your answer of what you need. And then it's very clear what you do. You go get that information. Now, if that information is not available to you, or one, like I said before, if it's a crystal ball type uh, type piece of information that you need that really there isn't any way of knowing, then you know that, okay, it's time to just make a decision with the information that I have. This can help you really bust out of analysis paralysis is just recognizing that you're feeling that like need for more information, asking yourself that question to help you get into action. Okay. All right. So mistake number three is thinking there's a right or wrong answer. Our brains like to catastrophize everything. <laughs> like they want to think that there is a right or wrong answer for everything. It's so funny. I experienced this whenever I bought my latest phone. I was trying to decide what color to get. I was deciding between, I think it was, there's like a bluish color iPhone and then there was the gold. And um, I think those were the two that I were, was mainly deciding behind, between. Um, but my brain thought that this, this was a really important decision. And what's so funny is that I covered up with a phone case. Like I don't even see the color of my iPhone ever, <laughs> unless for some reason I take it out of the case. But my brain thought this was a really big decision. And this is what our brains do. Like my brain thought, oh, there is definitely a right color and there is a wrong color, but I don't know which one it is. And if I choose the wrong one, man, I'm going to be really upset. It's so funny that this happens, but it happens a lot. I think for a lot of us as Christians, the, the things that are really truly right or wrong, like morally right or wrong, I think a lot of times we know what the right thing is, even if it's a hard thing to do. So it may not be like an easy thing for us to do or to um, to walk out in our lives, but usually we, I feel like usually we know um, because of the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we know what the right thing is to do. Now, there are times that that's not the case. Um, so I'm not just, you know, I'm not saying all the time, but I'm just saying a lot of the time um, we know what the right thing to do is because like I said, we have the Holy Spirit, but then we also have our Bibles and um, and then we have wise counsel. Where we get tripped up a lot of time and spend a lot of time staying stuck is on decisions that are not right or wrong decisions. They're right or left decisions that we have turned into right or wrong decisions. Not only do our brains make these right or left decisions into right or wrong decisions, but a lot of times it makes us think that there's only one right answer. And so I think it's so interesting whenever I'm coaching people and they present with um, options like, should I do this or should I do this, A or B? And they're trying to decide between two really great options. Usually um, it's something to do with their business. Do I go this direction in my business or do I go this direction? And what's so funny to me is that as we sit down and we coach together and we really go through... Um, you know, the vision that they have, the call that they have on their lives, um, who they're becoming, you know, what they're uniquely gifted at and uh, what they really want to contribute to the world. And we really start talking through those things. There are multiple options that appear that are way beyond option A and B that we started with. And so whenever our brains catastrophize things, then 
our focus starts to get really narrow and we fail to see that there are third, there's a third option, a fourth option, a fifth option. There's usually multiple options available, but you just don't see them whenever you're kind of in that heightened state of, you know, this or that and feeling like you have to make a decision between two things. So you want to ask yourself if this is a right or wrong decision or if it's a right or a left decision, especially if you're stuck. So like for instance, with my iPhone, I was like, okay, Kayla, seriously, you're not even gonna see the color anyway. It doesn't really matter. This isn't gonna have any real impact on your life. Just pick a color and move forward. You may also want to ask yourself, what are the options available to me that I'm not even thinking about? You know, if it's not A or B, what would the third option be? And then of course, if it is a right or wrong moral type decision, then you want to consult your Bible. You want to go pray. You want to go seek wise counsel. You just want to make sure that you don't fall into that trap of thinking that there is a right or wrong answer or only one right answer and let that keep you stuck. Okay, so that brings us to mistake number four, which is thinking that good decisions need other people's approval. And I'm reminded of the book, I can't remember which Brene Brown book it was, um, but she talks about who's in your square squad. And she talks about having like a one inch by one inch piece of paper with obviously a very small piece of paper that has the names of everybody whose opinions you really value. I remember back in middle school, in my middle school library, there was a poster that said, what's popular is not always right, and what's right is not always popular. And that has kind of stuck with me. And this is something that you want to think about, especially whenever you're making your life decisions, right? Is that, you know, you may not have the approval of everyone around you. There are probably going to be some people whose approval you don't have. You want to make sure that if you're considering other people's opinions and their thoughts, that these are people that are in alignment with your values, with your faith, and that you really trust these people's opinions, that this is, these people are on your little square squad, right? We live in a time where everybody has an opinion that's on full display. And so if you're trying to get everyone's approval to move forward with something or to feel good about your decision, then then it can be really hard to decide and then move forward and not keep going back and forth and get stuck in self-doubt even after you've decided. And when we're deciding on offers and things like that, where we want to go and we want to research people's opinions, um, you know, we want to get some market research, right? We want to go out and find um, the opinion of our ideal client to learn more about them so that we know what to offer them and how to offer it to them in order to serve them and fulfill a need that they have. That can be an important part of gathering information in order to serve people better. But what I see a lot of times and what I have done in the past also is I've cared about the opinions and thoughts of people that either one, were not in the arena, (laughs) meaning they weren't doing what I was doing or what I wanted to do or had even ever thought about it, yet they had an opinion about it. And they weren't my ideal client or ideal customer either, and yet had a lot of opinions there as well. And so whenever we take these people's opinions into account and we use them to make our decisions, we can be led astray or a lot of times it just keeps us stuck because we feel pulled one way, but then we're being pulled another way. And so making the decision ahead of time that these are the people that I'm going to pay attention and really, really take in their opinion and integrate them into my overall decision making 
can be really helpful. And once again, it's typically not that many people. Okay, moving on to number five, last but not least, thinking that good decisions equals feeling good is a mistake that can keep you stuck. So here's the deal. A lot of times we feel better when we make decisions because there is a pain associated with indecision. It doesn't not, it, it doesn't not, it does not feel good um, to be stuck and to be stuck in indecision. Like when I made that super impulsive decision about where to go to college, I felt good because I didn't have to deal with that anymore. It was decided, right? And so there are times that we have a big feeling of relief whenever we uh, finally decide, even if it wasn't necessarily a powerful decision or even a good decision. I think that that relief that comes a lot of times is one of the reasons that we think that when we finally decide something that we should feel really good about it. And here's the thing, making a powerful decision a lot of times requires courage. And when you've really made that decision and you are going to take action on it and you know that the next actions you have to take require faith, they require courage, they require you to do things that are super uncomfortable, it does not feel good. It does not always feel good. Um, I like to call this a decision hangover. They are real and they don't mean that something has gone wrong. Like I said, whenever you make these big life decisions that require you to get uncomfortable, and this happens a lot whenever we feel called by God to do something, because very often those things are not things that we feel really capable or confident in on our own. It, we, it requires um, it requires our faith in him and stepping out in faith to do these things. And it doesn't feel super good. So I'm sure there have been times in your life where you have done something major that was a great decision and yet you kind of felt like you were going to puke in, in the process. I think about the first event um, as a women's conference that I spoke at live and you know, I said I was going to do it, and but at the same time, I did not feel equipped. I did not feel prepared. I felt very vulnerable, and I had an immediate feeling of like, oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> you know, like, have you ever had that feeling where you're like, you say yes to something big, and you're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? That is the decision hangover, and our brain likes to tell us something has gone wrong. This is not good. This is not good, and so we go back and forth with... um with fear and doubt and um, second-guessing ourselves. And you start to do this less whenever you have a clear framework of how to make powerful decisions. This is something we work on when we coach together. But I just want you to recognize that just because you have that feeling of, oh my goodness, what have I done? And that decision hangover, it doesn't mean that something has gone wrong. So you want to just examine those feelings and revisit your reasons for why you did this. So in my case, with speaking at that conference, it was that I wanted to be able to use my story for God's glory, even if I sounded like an idiot in the process. So there you have the five decision-making mistakes keeping you stuck. Number one, thinking that more time equals better decisions. Mistake number two, thinking you need more information. Mistake number three, thinking that there's a right or wrong answer, and also that there's only one right answer. Mistake number four is thinking that good decisions need everyone else's approval. And mistake number five is thinking that good decisions always equal feeling good once you've made them. If there's something that you are on the fence about and you're feeling stuck, look at these five mistakes and see if one of them is causing you to 
be stuck in indecision, and then you know what to do to move forward. Hey, thank you so much for listening and for hanging out with me today. If this podcast has blessed you in some way, I would love for you to share it with a friend and leave a review on iTunes. When you leave a review, it helps the podcast grow and reach more people. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon. Mm